Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. This week's episode comes to you from the 2019 Rio Creative Conference in Brazil, where C21 Editorial Director Ed Waller was on the ground, speaking with, among others, Rachel Duval, Executive Manager at Co-Production and Export Body Brazilian Content, and Adam Jane Muniz, Head of International Affairs at local film and TV funding agency On Scene. We'll be hearing from them in a moment, but first, a rundown of some of the news from C21 Media this week. More than 7,000 members of the Writers Guild of America fired their agents as a result of the union's ongoing standoff with the Association of Talent Agencies. Some of the biggest names in Hollywood, including Shonda Rhimes, Damon Lindelof and David Simon, are among those to dismiss their representatives just as the US pilot season is about to get underway. The standoff between the WGA and ATA centres around the former's proposed new code of conduct requiring the latter's members, including CAA, WME, UTA and ICM, to eliminate the television packaging fees they currently charge for bundling talent and bringing projects together. The WTA has gone as far as filing an anti-packaging lawsuit against the ATA and demanded that agencies who've built up production and content ownership businesses of their own in recent years relinquish them. Not surprisingly, the ATA is resisting and has warned of chaos as the US networks begin picking the shows they'll move forward with this fall and begin the process of staffing up for them. Elsewhere, Jennifer Lopez-backed US broadcaster Fuse Media filed for bankruptcy protection after Chief Executive Michael Schwimmer left and the network was dropped by carriers Comcast and Verizon. The Latino and youth-focused cable net has over $240 million in debt against assets of $200 million but hopes to emerge from Chapter 11 during the second quarter of this year. Netflix returned to the debt market to raise another $2 billion to fuel its original content production and development, amid mounting competition from Disney, Apple and Warner Media. The company, which recently said it's nearing 150 million subscribers, now has a debt pile of more than 12 billion. In Brazil, for the 2019 Rio Content Conference, Netflix Chief Content Officer Ted Sarandos announced a commitment to 30 new original series and movies from the market over the next two years, including a local adaptation of Black Mirror creator Charlie Brooker's 2008 zombie drama Dead Set. Also in Rio, Sao Paulo-based Kerosene Films and Parox Productora Audiovisual from Chile announced they were joining forces on a new mystery drama set in the Andes, promising a show similar in tone to the likes of UK series such as the missing and Swedish drama Scott. The Brazilian independent production sector is currently embroiled in a drama of its own after the government froze all new investments by local film and TV funding agency on scene putting plans for many future projects on hold. On-scene head of international affairs, Adam Jane Muniz, spoke to C21 editorial director Ed Waller about this at the Rio Content Conference. You can hear that interview in a moment. But first, Ed got an overview of the market from Rachel Duval, executive manager at the co-production and export body Brazilian Content. Rachel, thanks for finding time to talk to us. Um, What's 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 your take on the uh, the the, uh, the state of the market in the in the Brazilian audiovisual industry right now? 
Um, we are very focused in the export and internationalization of our content and of our companies. And for us, uh, the report that we have from our companies are really great. We have been attending different markets as this year arrived Natvi, Kidscreen, and now we are preparing for Annecy and Sunny Side of the Dog. And companies are reporting to us that they are selling and looking for new partners for our production. So in terms of exporting, it's good. Of course, there is a, 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 a lot of doors to be opened yet and new clients to, to know and partners to meet. But I think comparing to 15 years ago when Brazilian content started, the program we are now celebrating 50 years, I mean, it's, it's incredible the increase of new business that we could promote and, and follow with our members. What have been the, some of the successes in, in terms of Brazilian programming traveling the world in recent uh, months and years? I think that the one good example that we have is uh, the first case we had with uh, Netflix, for example. Uh, the company, the São Paulo company based uh, boutique, we did the three percent, and I, I believe we also talked about that in Content London uh, one year ago when we attended. And uh, it's one good example that we have. When we started, I mean, 15 years ago, we took some years. It took some years for us to have some good examples. But then we started with animation, the first co-pro that we done with animation, and we still have uh, animation companies working very well abroad. So last year, for example, in June, in Annecy, Brazil was a, the, the great uh, the highlighted in, in the festival with films in competition and series being pitched and sold. So it was a, a good example for us. Uh, in terms of DOC, for example, we have a lot of co-pro being uh, signed. So it's also a good market for us. But I think that for next year's what is going to be more good news is in terms of uh, scripted content, drama series. How has the um, the uh, the impact of the export companies coming into Brazil changed the kind of programming that is being commissioned and, and indeed exported? Yes, I mean, in terms of uh, seeing our content abroad with the VOD, with the, the huge platforms, what Netflix did with our content, for example, uh, it was ten years ago a series, a Brazilian series, to be uh, well known in other countries. For example, now I, I go to the event and someone talks to me, oh, what kind of companies do you represent? And then I mention, for example, Boutique and 3%, they know it's much easier to get to be known in the international market with those companies. And then, of course, we have the, the oldest and huge players like HBO, our Brazilian series that travel with HBO, like the business in the US a long time ago, but I mean, it's in a good example as well. And uh, I think that it'll be big chance with when Amazon is getting bigger in Brazil, and let's see what's going to happen with uh, Apple as well, or maybe Facebook. And so it'll change the market, but we can see what Netflix has already done. It's a lot. What um, there seems to be a big buzz about co-production again this year. This has the um, the impact of the regulations and the, the intervention of the, by the government into the market, has that been beneficial? Has that led to the, the, the right consequences? Yes, I think that there's no doubt that uh, the, the approval of the law many years ago, we still feel the impact of that, the demand of content and being international content. So it means that international companies are looking to us to co-pro because they have the Brazilian market and also their own market. So yes, I believe that there is a, a huge effect of that, and we are still uh, feeling this this impact for international co-production. 
So how's the event here this week, the Rio 2C conference, changed to reflect the, uh, the changes in the business? In the business? Well, the, the, the Rio 2C, the, the market is completely different when it was created in, in when it was real content market. So it was Rio 2C incorporated real content market in its business, uh, including other industries like music, technology, innovation. And uh, it, it brings to the scenery here other players that maybe it was not so close to the audiovisual, so it's good, can enrich the market. Uh, for Brazilian content, we are really focused on the audiovisual scenery, so we bring, still bring to the market uh, some players from the other, for other countries. Like this year, we are bringing 39 international companies, and I can mention like ITV, Cake, or Tencent from China, or I mean, also Latin American companies and all three media are all part of our uh, guests, let's say, say like that. And uh, we are going to keep to do that for us, it's good, because as we have a lot of members in Brazil, sometimes it's hard for all of them having 1,600 companies going to other countries. So we, we, we believe that bringing those people to Brazil, it's a good opportunity to networking and to introduce new projects and business. What do you think of the fact that uh, as the Brazilian producers uh, uh, sort of embracing new forms of drama uh, and an edgy kind of drama that perhaps would work on an SVOD platform, uh, kind of slightly niche. Um, is there still a, a demand for um, the more traditional forms of drama, the telenovelas, the soaps? Because a lot of the uh, companies selling into Latin America are selling telenovelas, uh, which is obviously something that originated in Latin America. Do you, do you think that the Brazilian producers moving in, in, in the direction of shorter, sort of more cable series is, is creating a vacuum that other companies are, are moving into from Turkey or from the Philippines? Or? No, I don't think that's the point because traditionally in Brazil, telenovelas was always produced by Global or sometimes SBT used to buy and produce a little bit one for one. So for the broadcasters, the independent companies, they don't produce telenovelas, they, they never did it. So that's why their movement through drama now, through scripted, uh, it's a very good movement towards the international market, but it's not related to what's going on to the telenovelas. I think that's more Turkey taking their space and other countries now. And we see that there was a monopoly of global some years ago, so it is changing. And also global is now moving towards other kind of formats for drama, and very good formats as well. So they was in drama series in Berlinale this year, a very successful a presentation and content and Global is also looking for other kind of series and they have their own VOD platform now Global Play who is bringing new kind of content so they still have their telenovelas they are still selling it and very successful in Brazil and abroad but they are also looking for other kind of content and are the, uh, the big broadcast giants like Global are they um, open to independent producers more these days because once upon a time they were pretty much um, a closed shop for the independent producers. They, yeah, they no, it's keep... changing. They are more open. I think they, they can listen to new ideas and open to new kind of business model. Uh, of course, they are huge. They have their own uh, talents inside and in-house. But I think they are, they are they see that the market is changing and they are changing with that. I mean, they are not stuck at, in the same place. So they, are, they see how, how the market is flying around. <laughs> And with the new uh, money that's coming into the Brazilian audiovisual market from the S4 giants, I mean, this week Netflix unveiled 30 new projects. 
um, from, from Brazil. Do you think that the independent producers will be less reliant on public money, or and maybe they will start being getting more money from the international market or from their own commercial operations? Yeah, I think it could help. I mean, I think it, it's different business model. I think it's uh, another way to produce. I don't think that Brazilian independent producers they have they, they, they don't have to be dependent on public money. And I see a lot of companies that are not dependent on that. They are looking to other possibilities. They, we have this kind of resources. It's important for our market. I believe we're going to keep those kind of resources. But then we have to have to mix it I mean, with other sources, like private companies, marketing or public, and then international broadcasters, and then private and national broadcasters. So like a kind of a, a pizza of financing a, a program. So, and vary. You don't have to put all your eggs in the same basket. That's and what's next for Brazilian content? Wow, uh, we are increasing the numbers of companies that are exporting. That's a goal for us. We have uh, uh, a new phase. Let's see, like the, the project now is looking to create more new content that can travel and be more well known in the international market. So, still with our traditional markets, like uh, being at the traditional ones like MIPCON and Kidsreen and so on, but now trying to move to other places like. We are going to be at VidCon. It's only video, online video, YouTuber, the influencers. So what's going on there? Our producers have to move to that, and also VOD platforms. We did trade missions to to visit those companies to work with them. So not only traditional. Rachel Deval from Brazilian Content. Now here's Adam Jane Muniz from On Scene. Thanks for joining us, Adam. Um, I just wanted to get uh, your take on the state of the Brazilian TV industry right now. We're here at Rio 2C. Um, how, are things, uh, how are things changing for the Brazilian audiovisual sector? Well, the, um, the audiovisual sector in Brazil uh, has been growing uh, steadily in the past uh, years, even though the whole economy went through a, a deep crisis in 2016-2017. Uh, this did not affect much the audiovisual industry. Um, we have a pro pro prospect of an average growth for the next five years uh, of 8.8% uh, per year, so um, we'll have good prospects uh, in terms of growth for uh, cinema and TV. Um, VOD is expanding um, very fast in Brazil, it's growing very fast. Um, and also the game industry is, going, uh, is growing at a rate of 16%, an average of 16% per year. So we're, we're, very, we're very confident in the strength of, uh, of our industry right now. There seems to be a lot of uh, developments going on. We've got, um, obviously, you mentioned the arrival of SVOD. How, how has SVOD changed things? Because obviously uh, that's brought a whole new um, pot of money to the, to the industry. But has it pre presented challenges too? Yeah, definitely, especially because um, um, because of lack of regulation. Um, the the uh, we have uh, different companies now entering the market in the market, and without very clear uh, uh, rules, especially in terms of taxation. Um, and that is perhaps one of the main focus of regulation at Ancini right now. Ancini is a funding organization, but it's also a regulator. Um, and 
the one of the priorities for the for this biennium 2019-2020 uh, is to regulate the VOD market, especially in terms of taxation of a tax in Brazil is called Condecine, it's a contribution for the development of the audiovisual industry. All the other segments of the audiovisual industry pay Condecine except for uh, VOD, so uh, this is something that uh, Unseen is, is, is handling right now. So do you think the, uh, the S4 companies that have come into Brazil are going to have to start paying tax to create a level playing field with the cable networks and the other channels? Uh, absolutely, uh, to create a level playing field and also to have clear rules rules uh, to attract uh, other players into this market. Our legislation provides that Condesini has to be uh, applied for uh, uh, cinema TV and other windows. So the legislation is in place. What we, we lack is the regulation of that legislation into uh, VOD. This is the intent. The problem is now we're in the in process of dialogue with the main players to develop the right model for, for, for this. What's been their response to the uh, idea that they might have to start paying Condesine tax? Well, the, the the largest player, which is Netflix, uh, did not oppose. Actually, they're, they're, they're on the table uh, discussing with us. Uh, this is all taking place in the Higher Council of Cinema, which is the highest um, uh, bo governmental body for uh, the audiovisual uh, sector in Brazil. And it gathers uh, players uh, uh, from the industry, from the civil society and from the government. And, and they're on the table and they, we haven't had any uh, strong opposition into, into, uh, into regulating it. Okay. And the, um, there's been some developments at Encine with regard to the government auditor clamping down on your uh, investments, in fact freezing your investments, I believe. Do you want to talk us through why that happened and what's, what's that going to mean? So what the, so what the court, what the court uh, uh, decided that, uh, was that Encine should put a, uh, an action plan in place to um, assess the proper use of public resources in uh, audiovisual projects and also to clear up all the, those, uh, all the pile of more than 3,000 uh, projects that were still to be analyzed. Asini presented this action plan and then another decision from the same court uh, decided that the city should freeze new investments uh, while uh, the, the, a, a new action plan is put in place. But the action plan was presented, had already been presented. Uh, so we're very, very confident that uh, we're very confident with the suspension of the effects of this uh, decision. And we believe that in the, in the coming weeks we'll have uh, a different situation regarding this. So, uh the bottom line is that it's a hiatus of, of investment rather than a sort of permanent freeze? Is absolutely, that? absolutely, yeah. Okay, because do you understand the uh, the, um, the anxiety that uh, is, is, is uh, being felt and expressed amongst the Brazilian independent producers here at Rio 2C about sort of projects that are uh, suddenly up in the air and money that was expected that isn't coming? Uh, well, we yeah we we understand their uh, anxiety and we and, and we share uh, we actually share their anxiety because we're also very much eager to for things to be back on track. Uh, we're doing everything that is in our hand, and Sydney has not uh, is we haven't stopped our operations. We have just stopped uh, new contracts. 
So all those uh, calls, all those public calls that were uh, open, they are now in uh, the, uh, we're still receiving projects, we're still analyzing projects, we're just not uh, establishing new contracts. So uh, we're, we're confident that once this decision is suspended, we'll, we'll have at once a, a very high number of contracts because we never stop the, the process of analyzing the, uh, the projects that have been presented. Because the, 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 the freeze of Ancine's funds comes at an interesting time, of a delicate time for Brazilian uh, public funding. We had the Cinema do Brazil, I believe, also had its funding cut, and I think some of the private companies like Petrobras are pulling back on their investments. What, what's, what's the cause of that then? Well, um, of course we had a change in government the, uh, last year. Uh, well, the new government took, uh, the new president took office the 1st of January. And it's natural that he, uh, the new administration put in place uh, uh, a, uh, different um, ideas for different uh, areas of government. When it comes to culture, the, we've, uh, we've just uh, had this week a new uh, regulation for our main um, legislation on tax incentives for, for cultural projects in general, which reduced the, the cap for, uh, for projects that can benefit for, from uh, tax incentives. We also had some major state-owned companies uh, redirecting their investment to more, uh, more of a say, social portfolio that, rather than a cultural portfolio. Uh, in the case of Petrobras, but also Electrobras and other companies, uh, banks, state-owned banks. Um, so it's it's perhaps a a challenging moment for the audiovisual industry. Um, because these major players uh, may be um, putting their uh, investments in other uh, areas. You say it's a challenging time. Does it present opportunities as well for the independent audiovisual producers? Because one might argue that rather than being reliant on soft money, it might encourage them to go out to get uh, uh, money from the international market or from projects that are commercial, more commercially viable. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, this, we, I think we'll have to see the, the glass half full. And the, this challenging moment has proven uh, f f for the sector as a moment of union. The, we've seen different uh, organizations uh, gathering together in uniting uh, efforts to come up with solutions uh, not only to um, uh, public funding but also alternatives to to fund uh, uh, projects and um, and it's interesting that especially talking now about my area in the at Ancini, which is the um, uh, international affairs department um, producers are now looking more uh, closely into the international market uh, and looking more into co-productions and trying to, to partner with, um, with international players uh, to reduce their risk here in Brazil. I mean, here at Rio 2C, there was uh, a session about uh, co-production between uh, Brazil and, and Finland, and C21 just reported a, a, a new co-production between Brazil and Chile. Um, is is, is the, the growth in co-production, it's obviously resulting in uh, interesting projects, but is it transferring rights to Brazilian companies that they can then sell around the world? No, I, I believe so, I believe so. Uh, we, we've seen some interesting cases 
of uh, of Rio co-productions that uh, the co-producers from uh, Brazil and other countries they do share uh, the the their IP and. Of course, they explore exclusively their territories, and, but uh, some very inter interesting projects that go overseas, and um, and they have a good share of uh, of, of the income that's made uh, overseas. Adam Jane Munez, head of international affairs at the Brazilian film and TV funding agency On Scene, speaking to C21's editorial director Ed Waller at the 2019 Rio Content Conference. That's all we have time for in this week's episode, but there'll be more from the C21 podcast next week. In the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry news by following C21 online, on Twitter and on mobile. Thanks for listening. Music.